Hey. hey, you're listening to Avid Research. Avid Research. Avid Research. An Australian STEM podcast where we answer the questions you never quite got around to asking. Welcome back to the show, team. My name is Amelia, and we have the third awesome instalment of SciComm September Reflections for Avid Research. And today we have, once again, we have three very awesome guests on the show. Two of them you'll already know. We have Dr. Jess, Dr. Melanie, and I should have asked earlier, are you Dr. Jordan? Uh, Not yet. (laughs) And almost Dr. Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) So welcome to the show, team. Welcome to the show, all of you. I'll get Jess to start with a quick introduction to who you are, Jess. Thanks, Amelia. Hi, everyone. My name's Jess Hopf. I wear two hats. One of them is I'm an ecological modeler, so that involves turning ecology and biology into maths and using that to solve conservation problems in my case. So I look specifically at how marine reserves can be beneficial for conservation and how they affect fisheries. So that's my research hat. But I also wear a designer hat. I run my own business called Knowledgeable Designs. And In that hat, I am a scientific graphic designer. So I take everyone's complex and really interesting research and I distill that down into visuals to help us better communicate our research, both amongst the research world, as well as with other people outside of the research world. So the general public or stakeholders or anyone who's interested in science, really. So that's me. Thank you. And we do love some wonderful graphics that help communicate science. Obviously, we're all about communicating complicated ideas here. And if you want to hear more about that one, I'm going to self-promote the podcast. Episode 56 is where if you want to go deep into Jess land. Over to you, Melanie. Thanks, Amelia. So my name is Melanie Finch, and I'm a lecturer and a geologist at Monash University in the School of Earth, Atmosphere and Environment. As a lecturer, I have kind of three jobs. So one is teaching. So I teach our undergraduate students all about the amazing world of geology, like volcanoes and mountains and cool stuff like that. Uh, And then my other job is in research. So I do research into what happens to rocks at tectonic plate boundaries. So you've probably all heard of tectonic plates before. It's how the Earth's crust is broken up into these plates that kind of move around relative to each other. And when two tectonic plates collide, we get things like the Himalayas and, you know, the rocks get really uh, deformed and uh, change their shape. So I study rocks that get really messed up in places, uh, the Himalaya. And then my third job uh, is what We kind of call service at university and that has a different shape for everyone. But for me, it's all about outreach in geoscience. So um, trying to teach people, the general public, a little bit more about what geologists do and and what we are. And also trying to build a supportive network for women, earth and environmental scientists in Australasia through my work with an organisation called Women of Earth and Environmental Sciences in Australasia, WAMESA. So, yeah, that's my job. And it's an amazing job and there's a lot of kind of mind-blowing parts about it. And that is episode 55 if you want to check out more about Melanie. 
And now the self-promotion is over and welcome to the show, Jordan. Hi, Amelia. I'm Jordan Thomas. I'm a postdoctoral researcher at the Biomedicine Discovery Institute and Victorian Heart Institute at Monash University. I'm interested in the role of inflammation in cardiovascular disease. And why am I interested in this? Well, we all know someone who has cardiovascular disease, but something you may not know is that not everyone is being treated appropriately for their cardiovascular disease. So we really need to look for more treatments. And I'm interested in seeing if we could manipulate our immune system to treat cardiovascular disease. That sounds like incredibly important work. Thanks, Amelia. We might have to get you back on the show to talk a little bit more about that as well. But sadly, we're not here just to talk about awesome science content. We're here to do a bit of reflecting and coming up with ideas about Sycom September. So I'm going to start with the first question of how did you find out about the Sycom September challenge, throwing over to you, Melanie? Well, well, actually, I first heard about it when you and I were chatting uh, after we recorded the podcast, but that was well before September. And then I saw it again because I follow you on Twitter. I saw it on there and uh, immediately got on board and tried to get, you know, all my uh, PhD students on board. So yeah, that's how I heard about it first. That's awesome. And uh, there were some lovely posts from some of your PhD students. It was, it was really nice. Yes, they're wonderful people. It was it was um, really an amazing experience for me, Psychon September, like because they participated in it, and I learned more about them and what they think about their work. It was really cool. Yeah, that's an awesome perspective. Actually, that's we might have to touch on that a bit more. Jordan, what about you? How did you find out about it? I heard about the Psychon September uh, through the Australian Cardiovascular Alliance. So they had a program called Cardiovascular Champs where we'd learn more about communication with a whole range of different stakeholders, I guess. And we've got a group chat going on WhatsApp and someone promoted Psychom September. And I think a whole heap of cardiovascular champions joined in and some of my lab mates from the lab I did my PhD in as well. I did feel like there was a higher representation of cardiovascular researchers than is possibly like normal in society, <laughs> which is awesome. It's awesome. Obviously, you're welcome. You're doing great work. But it was a secret WhatsApp that I'm never going to see. Oh. <laughs> did any of the others admit to it? Not that it was a WhatsApp, no, but that, yeah, it's not just that you were keen and did Psychom September, but there, there must be at least four or five cardiovascular researchers who've then come and done this experiment as well. So clearly that program is working. Jess, how about you? I heard about it from Twitter because I stalk you, Amelia. No. <laughs> That's fair. But I did hear about it from Avid Podcast Twitter, so it's not a very exciting story there. But yeah, I saw, I did share it and I had a few of my lab and my hosting lab get on board as well. So that was really lovely because I got to learn some things about those people too. I think there's something about, yeah, inspiring other people to be involved and then getting to have that little window into other people's lives that we otherwise don't get. That seems like it was kind of a benefit of the whole challenge. Yeah, definitely. I think that's very true. You just don't have time 
always to get to talk about these sorts of things with lab members, especially when you're doing it remote or during a lockdown. So it's it was a very good platform for that. Interesting. Yeah, because we're already a bit too tired with like Zoom meetings and stuff and the thought of having a meeting just to have a chat can be a bit overwhelming. So mm. I'm curious what we found to be the most challenging part of the challenge. So heading over to you, Jordan, what did you find challenging about Psycom September? I found it most challenging coming up with posts uh, to respond to prompts that asked maybe more personal questions like what's your biggest challenge or what's the biggest challenge in your field? And I think it's it can be really hard to be vulnerable over Twitter. So I found that difficult, but it was also helpful in being able to write about that. Did it feel like a sufficiently safe space, I guess, in the end to be able to be at least somewhat authentic? Yeah, it did. It felt like a lot of the people who participated would interact with each other and back each other up. So it was very supportive. That's good to know. Balancing who you are as a person and who you are as a researcher seems to be a really common challenge, like how you communicate that you're a whole person and not just like a research output machine. Yeah, for sure. Jess, what about you? What was the most challenging? For me, it was keeping up on weekends. So I have a pretty strict no socials on weekends thing. And that's partly because I go out and do other things on my weekends. So having I felt like I was missing out when I wasn't doing the weekend ones or when I was doing them late. That was challenging. But also just writing because I'm such a visual person, having to, just like Jordan was saying, be vulnerable and write about things and try and write things that are interesting and engaging to other people but authentic and honest, that was a challenge for me. But I think... I agree with Jordan that it felt like a safe space to do that and it was a nice social experiment to be like, oh, hang on, there are communities out there on Twitter who are encouraging and supportive of this sort of thing and that was really lovely. That's a nice little little warm fuzzy. And uh, you weren't alone on the weekends, like there was definitely a drop in engagement and I think next year we just won't do weekends because people need time off and that is very reasonable and healthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a strong advocate for a good work-life balance. It's incredibly important. And I see this as work, even though Twitter can social can sort of bleed into your life. Yeah, I think ironically, I would like to use this challenge to somehow encourage people to have a healthy relationship with social media as well, which is kind of strange to do when you're trying to do a challenge. But I, th I think it might be a good platform to encourage people to take breaks and stuff too. Melanie, what about you? Sure. I, I really, I feel the same way as both Jess and Jordan. So I, they picked up on things that I also experienced. So I think like Jordan said, I tend to try to stick to professional aspects of my life on Twitter. And I mostly do that to, I guess, because I'm a bit scared of what I've heard uh, Twitter can be like you know, around trolls and things like that. And I'm just really worried about that. So I'm reluctant to share too much of my life. And I think, you know, so some particular posts that I found difficult were, yeah, around 
you know, what was my greatest personal challenge? I found it quite easy to answer the, the challenges that face my discipline because, you know, I, we have a lot of challenges in my discipline. But in my, per, like my personal sort of journey, I felt like any challenges I have faced don't really compare to, you know, the challenges that I've heard from other people, particularly other women. So I just felt a bit like, oh, I feel like I've been really lucky and privileged and I don't want to complain about yeah it was that was I, that one I found really hard and then I think yeah same as Jess I do try to take a little yeah break spend time with my family on the weekend and my partner was um <laughs> you know because I've been doing you know concurrently I've been doing another sort of campaign on Twitter as well so I do devote a lot of time to social media at the moment so I think for my partner keeping sort of him having my family happy uh, on the weekends is important to me. So not spending too much time on things that are related to work is important. Yeah, so I just made the decision to not feel bad about not doing it on the weekend. And if that meant I did some posts a day late, that's totally fine. Nobody would even notice. Uh, and if it meant that I didn't do some posts, I learned to not feel guilty about that and just be, just be like, well, you know what, I did whatever, 10 of the 15 or, or 12 of the 15, whatever it was, and just feel, you know, happy for contributing in, with what I could. I think that also posting every second day, I was like, whew, okay. Because like, I went OTT, like completely, well, I, what I consider to be over the top, like I made like a couple of videos and like used TikTok for the first time and stuff like that. I did make it a lot of work for myself when I could have just done like a text tweet and that would have been fine as well. So I think managing your own expectations of yourself and what you can achieve is really important in this sort of realm as well. And I am not my place, but I am incredibly proud of you for not feeling guilty for missing posts because if I hadn't been running the challenge, I would have missed like probably the whole last half. I, like I just have great respect for anyone who got involved and even more for people who've managed to put up healthy boundaries. So, you know, high five for the boundaries. Jess, did you want to jump in here? Yeah, I just, I bleeding on from what you were saying, Amelia, which leads on from what Melanie was saying. It's We put such high expectations on ourselves. It's a Twitter challenge. It's meant to be fun. It's not meant to be, oh, I've got to do this post today or the world's going to collapse kind of thing. And it's just funny how we, I mean, I speak for myself here and I can't speak for others, but I just put this high expectation up to do every single post. And like you said, we just do what you can and that's meant to be fun and that's the important thing out of it, not not meeting the challenge, so to speak. And amazingly, the world didn't end when people missed a post or were a day late. <laughs> They're all wonderful things and I'd like to build in some of that culture, I think, as we go forward because the last thing we need is like already stressed out, burnt out scientists burning out over a Twitter challenge. I'm curious if the challenge and kind of an intense month around focusing on your psychom has helped your psychom practice as a professional. So maybe starting with Jess? Oh, I was thinking about this earlier and I can't put a finger on anything specific, but I feel like it just made me feel more connected to people who want to talk about their science and want to communicate their science. And I think that building of community from people of all experiences with Psycom, like, you know, scientists who are just excited to talk to people who do Psycom for a living. 
it was just so wonderful to see that community come together and just be excited and be engaged and tell funny stories and have funny things to share. So there's nothing specifically that it's helped with my practice other than that incredibly valuable feeling of being part of a community, which I can't understate at all. And it was nice to be able to open Twitter even during a pandemic and see a bit of happy energy. I found it really nice at least. I don't know. (laughs) Melanie, what about you? Uh, Actually, it's been a bit of a game changer for me. So this is pretty exciting. And that's kind of because I uh, just, it made me learn how to use TikTok, which is not very hard. Uh, It's actually really easy. And then because I knew how to use TikTok, when there was an earthquake in Victoria, I could just quickly jump on TikTok, make a cool video, post it. And it's got like that video, I guess it's got about 2,000 views on Twitter and about 1,300 on TikTok. So that's cool. But then even better, I last, was it last week? I published a new paper and normally I would just put it on Twitter and whatever, put a link or something. But I'm like, no, I'm going to make a video that explains what the paper's about. And so I did that with TikTok so I could have like the paper kind of in the background behind me. That has had 6,000 views and like uh, 300 likes. And so normally a post like that for me would get like 20 or 30 likes. So that will, I don't know, stuff like that is really important because the more people that see your paper who download it, the better chance you have of getting cited and metrics like that really matter to academics. So that feels pretty big to me. Yeah, I'm pretty exciting, like that new skill uh, that I learned. I also learned that my one of my PhD students, Alanis Olesh Byrne, who participated in this, is like an amazing like science communicator. And I didn't know, and she's like totally rad. So I was like, well, great. Now I'm going to make you do every SciComm thing that there is. So, <laughs> And that, that is awesome. But respect for taking up TikTok that just massive respect because for some reason there's a massive barrier and it's a bit scary and maybe it's just because that's me showing my age but I mean you did it and that's a really cool use of TikTok. Thanks yeah well I have a little secret and that was that a TikTok superstar Kirsten Banks showed me how to do it in a superstars of STEM training module that we did Uh, so I kind of had a shortcut to using it but you know I think it's it's pretty easy. So I would encourage anyone who's thinking about it to do it because it makes like nice looking videos that you can literally do in, you know, a couple of minutes. So yeah, it's cool. I think uh, there might be space in the world, Melanie, for you to put together a video for scientists on how to do the paper video. Yeah. That's a really cool idea. I think that would actually be really popular. (laughs) That's a really awesome idea. I suspect so. Jordan, would you watch such a video? Uh, Yes. Yeah, I would. That'd be awesome. I'm so impressed with people who take up TikTok. It's not something that I'm brave enough to do. But, I mean, if you could, I don't know if you've seen the particular video of Melanie, but she's got a screenshot, I suppose, of the paper in the background of her and she's talking about the contents of the paper. So at the same time, like it looks very academic and like Melanie is obviously very smart, but at the same time, she looks cool because she's on TikTok. (laughs) 
So it's worth, I, I think it's worth a shot. I think there's space in the world for you to do that, Melanie. And I mean, Jordan's obviously up for the challenge. So just dub to you and Jordan. <laughs> obviously, Jess won't be far behind. I'm terrified of TikTok. <laughs> I think that's just us being old. Yeah. <laughs> but I think Kirsten Banks has shown unequivocally that it it does have a huge potential for reach and for science communication it's just a matter of harnessing it like anything harnessing it correctly jordan has psychom september inspired you or helped you in any particular psychom practices it's made me a bit braver i guess in what i put on uh twitter like i had the chance to put a little video together of my day and then add some photos and emojis and gifts to post that I wouldn't normally. And that's maybe that's a gateway to hopping on TikTok. <laughs> I greatly appreciated everyone who used the gifts. And I think there were even some people who managed to like explain their careers and their paths in gifts. And I was like, that's just wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I was so impressed with the beautiful maps that people came up with as well and the ones that you've created. They look fantastic. Oh, thank you. They'll be coming out of lockdown soon, which is exciting because <laughs> they're currently still on display. They've just been in lockdown since June. But thank you. I think there's a lot of ways of, of sharing uh, our careers and our journeys. Was there anything in particular that surprised you about Psychom September? Throwing to Melanie here. Yeah, I think I was surprised how many people jumped on board because a lot of those people will don't post normally, like a, a kind of new to Psycom on Twitter. So that was super cool. I thought that you did that, like that you managed to to sort of create a pathway for those people to get on board. That was really uh, awesome and surprising. Apart from my superstar PhD student Alardis, who is uh, who I discovered is amazing. I guess I was also surprised about which posts people were really interested in and which posts people were less interested in. You know, I follow on, I guess on Instagram, I follow a few scientists and they are, they post a lot and it's a, more like a day in the life. And so they're always talking, you know, posting about the things they're doing that day. And those people, they've got incredible followings. And so I thought that people would be really interested in the personal aspect and maybe they are but for me maybe I'm just not that interesting as a person but for me I found that the ones that were you know more science related about the work that I do uh, or about you know cool facts about geology you know those sorts of posts seem to do better for me and I thought and I was surprised by that. I personally was also surprised about how many people got on board I had not planned for that in the slightest. But that, that's also really interesting because I sort of just assumed that pictures of desks and that sort of stuff would get the most likes. But fun facts possibly were a bit of a winner. Yeah, I guess it depends also what your Twitter following already can, who your Twitter following already consists of. So for me, it would be a lot of geologists. So I guess that they care more about their work, my work than, than they care about me. But maybe for others who are, have more of a Twitter following that's more friend-based, it might be different. That would be a very interesting little analysis to do. Jordan, anything surprising for you? I think Melanie covered it. I was really impressed with the amount of people who took on the challenge and the really varied content that I saw I think something that surprised me was also people's different takes on particular prompts 
just coming to mind, like the first, uh, one of the biggest challenges, some people responded with more personal challenges and then uh, field related challenges. And that happened across the whole challenge. So it was really interesting to see that. Yeah. And I think partially that was my poor birding of some of the prompts, but also people just interpret, like you can only use a handful of words to describe the prompt. So people are going to take it however they want, which is kind of awesome. Actually, it's kind of interesting to see how people run off into the distance with a handful of words. Jess. This links back to what Melanie was saying before about TikTok, but I was surprised by how many people were able to make really good videos really quickly and just post them. I mean, I've never played around with TikTok, but just the ability to do that really surprised me and probably just shows my age as well. (laughs) Clearly, there's some space for you to grow into then, Jess, potential. You too could make these videos. Yeah. I would say watch this space, but don't hold high hopes. (laughs) Is there any chance of some uh, encouraging words from you, Melanie, there? Yeah, well, I'm old too. Like, (laughs) but but I, I don't know. I just, I totally hear you. Like, I felt the same way and I still don't, you know, when I get a lot of people liking a video that I've posted on TikTok, I'm like, who are you people? Because I thought that you were 15-year-olds who like to learn about things that I don't even understand, you know, <laughs> so cool cultural things. I didn't think that, you know, this sort of content would find a place. But it does seem to have an audience there on TikTok. And But I'm not even really in it for TikTok platform. There goes my chance of getting sponsorship from TikTok. But I'm not really in it for TikTok because... I'm just using it as a vehicle to make videos easily and then you can download those videos and post them on other platforms. So that's sort of how I'm using it. But a nice byproduct is it is going out to that to that TikTok audience. And if I'm really honest about my uh, with myself about my Psycom objectives, it really I do want younger people who are coming into universities to learn about geology because they don't learn about it very much in high school. So really, I should be on TikTok a lot more. But yeah, I guess I'm a bit intimidated as well. But I think you just get started and you try and yeah, take it from there. I guess it's also like when you have something like the equivalent of an earthquake in your field, um, then all of a sudden you have this reason to engage with a platform like that. So I kind of was doing it. I think that it's good that I did that training <laughs> before beforehand, uh, sort of. Wasn't I didn't think of it as training, but you know, ready to be able to respond to a cool event like that at a moment's notice. So try it. I think you should try. <laughs> Maybe I'll make that a, a goal for my next month or two is just to try TikTok once, see how it goes. Yes. And post it on Twitter, maybe as well. We will all be very proud of you. But this is not an ad for TikTok, so we're going to move on. Um, (laughs) Jordan, is there anything that you learnt during the month? And feel free to take this question however you like. I did learn how to make a video on a completely different app, so no more free advertising. Uh, I learned so much more about the science community in Australia and the different research everyone's doing, and it's really I really love seeing Aussie scientists doing awesome research. So partially how to make the videos, but also just that you're not alone. 
there's a whole lot of wonderful Australians doing, asking great questions about the world. That's a nice thing to come away from a month with. Melanie, was there anything you learned? I learned a lot about other people and, yeah, different fields of science and, yeah, what lots of different types of people uh, do, which was really interesting. And I think that there are a few people from the Superstars of STEM program that I'm involved with that were on it. So that was really cool for me to learn more about them as well because I sort of quite a few people in that program. So it was great to get a bit more of an insight into them as well. So that was cool. That thing how people did um, posted like a thread on Twitter using GIFs was so cool, wasn't it? Like I love that. I was just like, I'm definitely going to steal that. Um, (laughs) That was like, it was funny and quirky. I really thought that was super cool. And it was really easy to engage with as well because it made you want to keep looking at the next one because you wanted to see what the next GIF was going to be. Yeah, and they were so clever, just, you know, funny little links and, you know, yeah, I loved it. So not just that there's lots of cool scientists in Australia, but that they're clever and have a nice sense of humour. Yeah. (laughs) Jess, what about you? I sort of similar to what Melanie and Jordan have said, like I learned just so much about so many people and that there's so many cool things going on in the world. It was slightly overwhelming. I was like, oh, there's so much cool science happening and I want to know about it all, but I'm just like so time poor. (laughs) And everybody has stories they want to tell, whether that's their stories around their research or around their life or how they've gotten to where they are and Everybody has fears in telling those stories and that's what makes us all human and what makes us all part of a community and really seeing that in Twitter, I think, I can't remember, I think it was Jordan who said earlier that Twitter can have a really bad reputation, oh no, it might be Melanie, sorry, for trolling and for people who just going on Twitter and they just post their achievements and that's it, then it can be scary like that. But I think that something like Psycom September can really help teach people that Twitter can be such a beautiful place to connect with other humans in really positive ways. That was such a lovely statement. (laughs) Thank you. They're all lovely things to have learned. Did any of you in the process of Psychom September happen to pick up any fun facts about other people's fields? Because everyone obviously shared, there was a lot of fun facts being shared and a bit of myth-busting happening as well. Were there any that sort of leapt out at you or that you've sort of like particularly remembered, Jess? Yeah, Uh, the one about how it's a myth that everybody's menstruation cycles line up because that is so prevalent when you live with girls, you always joke about it and everything like that. And I was like, oh, that's a myth? Oh, my God. So that totally changed my world. Yeah, and it's alarming the extent to which that post have has gained engagement with scientists as well. That's Jared's work, and he loves talking about menstruation, which is awesome because we need more guys like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy because there is so many things in our world that do line up to like phases of the moon and, and things like this. And, yeah, it's just crazy that that's not really one of them as much. Have to get Jared to clarify on that, but yeah. Melanie or Jordan, did anything, were there any other fun facts that sort of stuck with you? 
I mean, on that a day, that fun facts day, I was like scrolling through and going, oh my God, that's so cool. Oh my God, that's amazing. And like, if you know, there's something about that, you know, we'll never find a cure for cancer. And that was like, and I was like, oh gosh, that's really sad. You know, and it was really, it was such a cool, awesome day for learning about other people's fields and also learning about what they think people will be the most interested in within their field. So yeah, I think it was a really cool day. I can't remember any specific ones now, but I should have jotted a few down at the time. But yeah, it was a a cool idea. Yeah, I screenshotted some of them because they were just, there were some epic ones. Were were there any that you remember, Jordan? I'm the same as Melanie. Uh, I was just blown away most of the posts, to be honest, and what people found to be interesting in their field and what excited them was just awesome to see. Yeah, none really stuck out to me, but it was a great day. That was a fun day. That was a day where I wish like more of the general public were exposed to this particular hashtag because I think it just would have been good for everybody, not just scientists. Yeah, for sure. So obviously there was some great momentum during that month and I'm really keen, if possible, to help support everyone moving forward to like, continue doing great SciComm, etc. Is there anything that you can think of that I or the community can kind of do to help obviously I can't speak on behalf of the community because that's weird but that we could be done to help you maintain that positive psychom sort of like upskilling and just practice maybe starting with Melanie yeah I think that people responded so well to this because we don't always know we you might want to communicate science but we don't always know what to post about so people feel uncomfortable doing self-promotion and that's you know totally understandable and it's not so often that you can sort of self-promote you know that it's not so often that you have a paper coming out or whatever so then what do you do for your science communication in between that and I think having prompts like these is gives you a reason to engage and to get on there and you know what we saw what you saw uh, was that People really want to do this stuff, but they just need someone to give them a little a little push. So I wonder whether, you know how we have all those special days like World Oceans Day and last week was Earth Science Week and, you know, we have all these. I wonder if on special days like that it would be possible for perhaps for, you know, for you, Amelia, to put out a, a call to uh, for posts on a particular thing, like what's your favourite fact about the ocean or what's, um, tell us, or earth scientists tell us about your job or something like that. And that might just give people the little push they need throughout the year. That's brilliant and incredibly easy from my perspective. <laughs> <laughs> That's key as well. That's good. <laughs> I love it and I'm stealing that idea. Yes, I have a spot, soft spot for days. Jess is laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Thank you. Okay, that's actionable. I like it. <laughs> awesome. Okay, now, Jess, you get to follow that. You get to come up with another awesome idea. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I think this is probably going to go a bit more on the negative side of things, but I think one of the biggest challenges for Psycom September, like Melanie raised, is that it is a lot of engagement between scientists and between people who have a link to STEM, which is fantastic. And that's the reason why that's such a creates this great community. But I think one of the challenges moving forward is taking that more to the general public and getting people, the general public engaged with it. 
a lot more and that gets to the heart of the outreach side of SciComm. Yep, and it's something you'll be glad to know that I'm quite well aware of and what my kind of plan as much as there's ever a plan is at the moment is to sort of do a year or two of like building up people's confidence with this challenge and then start adding in prompts or challenges about going out into the real world and whether it's real world or not the Twitter's not real but like the potentially less receptive world and whether it's just having a chat with a relative who isn't in STEM or those sorts of like smaller things that are less publicly obvious but yeah different ways of trying to engage with different people and sort of trickling it outwards uh, in a slow less scary way than like your challenge today is to call up the ABC and ask if they'll write an article about you (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so if you have any suggestions about how to break out of this beautiful little bubble that we've created and into a world which can be hostile but also I think there is appetite and interest. Like I am all ears for suggestions. So thank you for bringing that up, Jess. That's okay. I am not surprised at all that your wonderful entrepreneurial brain has thought of this. (laughs) Yeah, maybe there's some space for that aforementioned no longer naming video service to help us in engaging the general public. (laughs) Oh, wild. Yep. Well, in that case, we'll have to call in Melanie for the support. (laughs) Or Instagram. Do you reckon that Instagram is more toward the general public? Yeah, yeah. And there's reels on Instagram, which is like essentially Instagram pretending to be TikTok. So Jordan, is there anything we can do to support you going forward? I think uh, the other two have touched on this, but it was really great to have a prompt. So you didn't really have to think about the content that you were going to post and also it made it feel a lot more comfortable to talk about yourself. But I think it was really great. The prompts were really great in helping to use mediums like video that you probably wouldn't normally use for your cycle. But then obviously there's a challenge of getting that out to the broader public. Yeah, the endless challenge, but we will crack it. Did you feel at all like the prompts were... Like not the equivalent of me asking you a question, but they sort of gave you permission in some way to talk about something. Yeah, that's definitely how it made me feel. That's lovely to hear. We're going to go for a round of shout outs. So who do you think is doing an awesome job of science communication and deserves lots of high fives and followers? I'm going to start with Jess. Oh, that's a tough one. There are so many people doing awesome stuff. So I'm going to cop out and say a shout out just to everyone who's trying to do SciComm, whether it's their first day trying to do it or their years of experience they've been doing it. Because, and especially shout out to the people who aren't doing it as a, as a job, as a specifically trained in it, do it as part of their job as a researcher because, you know, we wear so many hats as scientists and SciComm is another thing that we're teaching ourselves to do and that's hard. So shout out for that. Yeah, there were some people who, like, actually started using Twitter during the challenge and that sort of thing. So, And that's bold and scary. So, yep, shout outs to all the people who are just giving it a shot because it's hard work 
and it can be very slow to get traction. Jordan, any shout-outs from you? Yeah, I'm really impressed with the people who gave things a go during the challenge. There was another cardiovascular researcher, Celine, and I was so impressed that she jumped on board on Instagram and she's been producing great content. But another Australian researcher I'd really like to shout out is Elise Mayfosh, who does these spectacular raps on her Instagram and uh, TikTok. And she's gotten people to send in their abstracts and do that. And it's really inspiring because she's got the confidence and the bravery to put herself out there and do something difficult. Because science and psychom are hard and rapping is hard. Yep. <laughs> yep. And s- singing on your science TikTok is even harder. That's just, I'm impressed and we're going to need to find this person and like, do a lot of shouting out because that's that's super cool and last but not least shout out from melanie yeah well she sounds amazing i'm definitely following her that's super cool my shout out is for another amazingly talented science communicator so i know we're not tiktok fans but it is worth downloading the app for this person alone she is like gold her name is dr jess allen and that's her handle as well. And she is an engineer and a lecturer at the University of Newcastle. Oh my God, these these TikToks are so cool. She does these dances and she's such an awesome dancer and conveys cool science facts, cool engineering facts about her uh, work in energy and fuel cells and things like that. So gosh, she's just, you know, next level. I love her. So Strongly recommend that you follow her on TikTok. That sales pitch actually made me almost willing to download TikTok just for the for that this Jess Allen person. She sounds amazing. Yeah, she's brilliant. I yeah, I just definitely if give it a it's worth it just to see her. She's brilliant. So yeah. You can always delete it after you look at all her posts if you if you, if you don't like it. Fabulous. There's some wonderful content for our show notes. Thank you all for coming on the show and for sharing your insights and coming up with some wonderful ideas for me going forwards. It's, it's greatly appreciated. So Melanie, Jordan and Jess, you're all awesome people and greatly appreciate everything you're doing. Thanks, Amelia. And it was lovely to meet both you, Melanie and Jordan, at least meet you in, in the voice, I guess. Thank you so much, Amelia. It's been lovely chatting to you all and great to meet you, Melanie and Jess. Great to meet you both too. That was excellent. And thank you so much, Amelia, for bringing Psychom September to all us sort of Australian scientists. It was brilliant and I think it really changed the way that a lot of people communicate science in Australia. So thanks so much. Yeah, Psychom September was fantastic and all the prompts were absolutely brilliant. So thank you so much for putting it all together. Thank you all very much for being wonderful and so generous and, and for getting involved. It couldn't have worked without you. So thank you all. Thank you. 
Thanks so much for listening. If you like this podcast, you're an absolute gem of a human being and you should head over to avidresearch.com.au, sign up for our amazing email newsletter and get all the download on the upcoming episodes and maybe even get a bit of a sneak peek about what's coming next. If you've been enjoying this podcast, you should definitely subscribe. We're on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and even Google these days. Thanks. Thank you.